Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to see when Arsenal win away. Hey! Mate, I'm surprised you even come on this morning because uh, you featured all over the Arsenal socials again. <laughs> He's back. He's back. The Peaky Blinder is back. <laughs> oh, you or the other guy? <laughs> He's, someone said, is that your twin brother? And I was like, I don't know whether to be uh, offended or whether to take it as a compliment. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? I saw him at about six eight, six o'clock. Uh, we both had to collect our tickets. So uh, I was having a little chat with the old Peaky. Yeah, he's a good lad. We might as well start from last night, mate. What a game that was for you guys. Unbelievable. I think it's... I've seen hundreds of Arsenal games, home away, Europe, um, overseas. And uh, I think that might be the best... One of the best games I've been at uh, in the league. Uh, it's simply an unbelievable game. Everything about that game was just incredible. From the going into the grounds, the game, the atmosphere, everything. It was just simply superb. What was your thoughts of uh, Canworth Road? Do you know what? I actually really liked it. I, guess, I think it gets an unfair uh, unfair rap. Um, we had to get in the ground really early because we had to pick our tickets up um, from the box office. And um, they were absolutely fantastic, all the staff. So... Um, you know, they opened up a bar for us, £5.50. We're getting draft on tap. Cruz Campo, uh, fantastic facilities. It was like being in a 1970s uh, sort of social club. Um, you've got little dartboards um, around the concourse in like the bar area. Um, you know, I did a proper non-league style pie. Um, I thought it was really good. I really liked sort of, um, you know, everything about it. I mean, the concourse itself is, is almost non-existent. You sort of... Um, you come through the ground and then you kind of get funneled out into sort of, so you come through uh, sort of the you know person's back garden sort of thing. And then you sort of come and do a right in the junction. And then you can either go up the stairs, which take you into the away end, or you can go left, which is like one big bar area, or you can go right into another bar, bar area, or you can sort of funnel forward um, into where the pie shop is. But um, it was great, mate. They, you know, they had uh, two, two big different bars. Um, yeah. No, no, no real complaints at all. I think that's the thing about it, which was really unique, is you go to a lot of away games and usually, or home games, for example, very rarely in England are fans stood or in their seats half an hour before the game. But because it was, um, it's an unreserved away end, um, so everyone was sort of in the ground, in, in you know, in their spot where they were stood um, at least half an hour before the ground and um, half an hour before the game started. And it was almost like a throwback to what it would have been like going to football in the 80s and the 70s and, and the early 90s in terms of going to the, to the terraces like my my old man and, you know, people of that generation used to do. We used to have to get there sort of, 45 minutes to an hour before for a big game to sort of get your spot on 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 the terrace and so we'd obviously done that we got there super early and we'd actually got the front row um because that's where um a couple of people I go sort of wanted to sit um uh and and, and so yeah we, we we got to the front row and it was just an incredible atmosphere the away end was full it was rocking all the songs were going up and down and it was just such an intimate um atmosphere in such an intimate stadium and you know the Luton fans are all proper up for it it's really really old school mate proper old school I don't think there's anywhere else in the Premier League which which even comes close to it I mean you've got grounds like Goodison Park which are obviously pretty old school um, in, in terms of everything around it Turf Moor but this is just a different level In terms of the game what's your thoughts on that? Oh mate what a roller coaster of a game I think um, to be fair to Luton I'm going to give them a lot of credit I think uh they're, they they make life really difficult for teams who go to Kenilworth Road. I mean, they play a, a style of football which 
you don't really see too much in, in the Premier League anymore, which is that high intensity, closing down, pressing football um, off the ball, where for 90 minutes they just run their socks off. You know, it's like proper sort of championship, sort of League One uh, style where, um, you know, they, they don't give you a moment um, on the ball. Um, and I thought they were they were simply fantastic throughout the game in closing Arsenal down and, and, and making our life difficult. And it was one of those within the first sort of, 10 or 15 minutes, they've absolutely put one on on Martinelli, um, you know, gone straight through the back of him, sent him flying. Uh, and they've done the same thing on the other end with, with Saka. And you think, bloody hell, we've got a, we've got a game on our hands here. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the first half was, you know, uh, to, to say it was, um, you know, eventful is is an understatement. Obviously, Saka scored, um, you know, a really good goal, um, you know, to sort of get us all, all, on on the way, um, you know, which is which is good. You know, we all thought, right, he's he scored the goal. Um, so apologies, um, he's, um, Martin, uh, Martinelli got the first goal, um, and uh, yeah, we saw that and think, right, we're in now. Um, uh, and then all of a sudden, they scored three minutes later. Um, you know, uh, Gabriel also sort of, sort of scored the equaliser, and he's thinking, oh, great, here we go. Um, brilliant headed goal, by the way. You know, old school League One style where he's just come up and gone bang. Um, and then, yeah, it's just a bit of a dogfight for the, for the rest of that half, right? Um, and then obviously, um, Jesus um, has nicked one uh, just before half time. Um, and and yeah, it's just just crazy, crazy first half, mate. Um, believe it or not, I mean Ross Barkley, he's come back from the dead. Uh, no one's probably heard of him from for about um, you know, however long he's been away for. Um, and he scored a, a cracking goal. Um, I mean, there's poor keeping from David Raya, to be honest with you. I mean, it's sort of quite low to his immediate side to the left of him, but he's just not got down. And yeah, when when it went three two, I thought right, we're gonna have to really work our socks off to um to get back in the game and um. You know, we did. We replied immediately, and it was our man, uh, sixty million down the chain. Kai Abbott scores again. Tell me, how me, waka waka, sixty million down the drain. Kai Abbott scores again. Um, yeah, has a massive goal for him, and I think, you know, I, I've really felt sorry for him at times this season because the media have just been going for him. Um, you know, no holds barred, coming after him, and um. You know, the last few games he's come up in the league anyway. He's come up with some really pivotal goals. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of them where you think to yourself, actually, he's starting to show sort of why Arteta's brought him. The Brentford game is just incredible. Um, the goal he scored there, scoring goals in the Champions League, scoring goals now in the league on a more regular basis. And um, absolutely delighted for the lads. When we had that Stonewall pen where Saka's brought down in the box... I just thought, no, it's not going to be. That was Stonewall right in front of me. Um, you know, the referees obviously been told from the big bosses don't give anything to Arsenal. Um, <laughs> so after that wasn't given, I just thought, no, it's not going to be. And Havertz had a little headed chance on um, on goal. Um, no, I didn't think it was to be. And then obviously, you know, it reminded me a little bit of watching a replay of Anfield 89, if I'm honest, where it's like the ball's gone all the way down, back down our end. And you think, oh, crikey, here we go. And then, we sort of got it up the pitch, and then you know worked the work to play. And usually Rice would be sort of hanging back in the, in at the top of the eighteen yard box. He's made the run into the box. Ball's come in the box, and he's just gone bang and nodded it in. And the rest was just euphoria, absolute euphoria, as you've seen from all the videos. I'm surprised you're still standing after that. <laughs> uh, do you know what? Right. So um, it's funny the video that's doing the rounds of of, of me after the third goal habits. Like I'm going crazy, but I had to hold it in because. The away end is just nuts. Like it's one of the most dangerous away. It's the most dangerous away end I've been to in England. Um, 
because the seats are so low in front of you. There's no rail style seating. Um, and because it was an unreserved away, end, you said loads of people just stood in the aisles. And um, and I'm, the drop off I had was about a metre, no, no, no word of a lie. And so when that fourth goal has gone in, people in front of me have just started piling in down the um you know, down, down the aisle. And like um, my mate, he's just gone, he's, you know, he's in his 60s, um, you know, Monks, he's just gone flying about 10 yards into the mosh pit and it's just carnage in there. Um, <laughs> I've been catapulted forward when we've celebrated. I think almost, I've broke my knee or did my ACL and it was just limbs in there, mate, as you've seen from the videos, absolute carnage. Um, people everywhere, bodies everywhere. And then I'm literally just having to pull bodies off um, you know, my uncle, John, is like, get off, get off, get off, trying to grab him up, the poor fellow's in his mid-60s, and he's just been absolutely <laughs> flattened. Um, and yeah, it was it was truly remarkable. And it was wild, because what happened is there was such a crowd surge that there was a little boy at the front where the Arsenal fans have very sensibly just grabbed him and thrown him on the pitch. Um, and we went right through the advertising holdings. It was just, you know, not me personally, but the, the people who were down there, it was just absolute carnage, mate, flattened the advertising holdings. Uh, that is some limbs as, as far as they go. So how big was that then for your season? With Arsenal, we've just got to keep winning and keep winning the games which are which are going to be difficult places to go to. And I think, you know, we've got two massive away games coming up now in um in Villa on Saturday and then Liverpool at the end of the month. And I think to get something out of Luton just, you know, gives us that bit more of a spring in the step, the same way with Brentford. And I think let's not kid ourselves. A lot of people don't realise the likes of Brentford, the likes of Luton's not easy places to go at all. And I think, you know, for us to do that, to show the, you know, courage of our convictions to to keep battling in there is just, is everything. And I think if we take a step back, it's it's about the season, but it's also about where we've come as a club. Because I think probably from about 2012, all the way through to just before COVID, or, or you know, just as COVID hit, I think the criticism for the from, from a lot of the Arsenal fans, rightly as, as well, was that, you know, the players weren't given 100% weren't playing for the badge. Um, and, you know, there just wasn't that, you know, reson resonating sort of factor. We just felt they didn't care. And I think the one thing about this Arsenal squad, and you've seen it over the last two years, is that every player in that team has given 100%. It's a never-say-die mentality. Um, and, you know, they're, they're giving everything for the badge. You know, even the new players, the Havertzes, the Declan Rices, the Reyes, they're, they're part of it. They're bought into the, the, the culture and the vision and the philosophy and um, I think for me, that is the big mentality and mind shift change. A few years ago, you said, no, we, we can't win this game. You know, we're 3-2 down. And it's that never say die attitude. I mean, you can question, of course, you know, are, you know, uh, individual players good enough? For, for sure. Maybe you could say Arsenal might need a striker or they might need this player or that player to win the league. But you can't fault the effort of those lads out there last night and, and for the last few years. Well, nearly halfway through the season. But how many games yeah. have you gone to so far, mate? I couldn't tell you the number of how many games I've gone to because I've lost count. But what I can tell you is that there's only um, there's only two games I've missed all season, which was uh, Manchester United at home and it was Palace away. And I missed those because it was my mum's 60th birthday celebration. So um was uh, unable to go. Apart from that, I've been everywhere. Um, you know, I've done all the uh, domestic aways apart from that. All the home games have... Um, have I've done all the European aways, so yeah, I've only missed those two games, and I think as it probably stands, I'm pro I'm going to only going to miss three games a season, which will be those two games I talked about. I'm, I'm not going out to Eindhoven next week because I went there last year, but um, apart from that, it's looking like I'm going to do all the games home and away from, and Europe for the rest of the season. Let's talk about your Italian trip then. 
man, Italy got me mash up, man. I loved it. It was fantastic. What a place. Love Italy. Love the food. Love the people. Love the culture. At the time of my life, mate. Didn't your old man get mugged, did he? He did, yeah. He got robbed. He got robbed in Rome. We were on a bus and um, he's had his wallet in his top pocket and his wallet weren't in the top pocket by the time we got off the uh... bus. I'll tell you that one. <laughs> so yeah, he got he got he got mugged out there. He got it was the it was the Italian job in Rome, mate. The Italian job in Rome. They saw the tourists come in from a mile away and they thought they would make hay whilst the sun shines. <laughs> right. Everyone wants to know what happened in Lons. Lons was absolute carnage. So um it's one of those, right, where they are known for having the loudest fans in france and it's also incredibly hostile um you know along with places like sort of marseille um you know it's not it's not for the faint-hearted so um yeah we actually got the ferry across on the day of the game so we were is it like proper um in between us style we had like a, a minivan and you know when you see them like traveling and you've got the lads who are like we love you burnley we do so we um six of us arsenal boys all in a van we got the channel crossing um sort of early doors drove into Lons, dumped our stuff at the Airbnb. Then we went sort of straight to the Irish pub where all the Arsenal fans were. Um, and then when we arrived, we had a lot of stories that the night before, the Lons fans were just going around in big mobs, um, just looking for any Arsenal fans to sort of punch up. Um, they went after a load of old boys who were out there. And then uh, some of these old boys who are good mates of mine, they were in a kebab shop just waiting for a kebab and they you were know, sort of complaining that it was taking too long. So the, um, the owners rung up the police. Police have just turned up, riot police, and just started tear gassing them. No questions asked <laughs> whilst waiting for a kebab. So yeah, it, it was all a bit tasty the night before. And then we'd got told when we were walking to the ground to, um, to go a specific route where they were going to sort of march us all the way around their fans uh, away from trouble. Um, so we thought, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And for whatever reason, um, we got told to go a completely different direction. So the police have marched us through their fans. It's just like a, it was like a literally a one one mile walk, the gauntlet where you got their fans lying in the street either side, um, and it was just carnage, mate. Like it was just popping off. But luckily, I was with I was with some I was with some you know top boys, and there was about fifteen of us. And uh, one of my mates, he's 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 ex army, um, and he just turned around. And he said, "Boys, whatever happens, we stick together, and no one runs." And we went straight <laughs> through. And um, I think they just looked at us and they thought, "No, no, no, we don't want to mess with these guys." We then just started giving it large, you know, all the Arsenal songs, eyes right, ooh to be a gooner. And we just started marching down this road. And there was about 15 of us originally. And all these other Arsenal fans who were sort of like undercover have started, suddenly joined us. And then there's a convoy of about 25 or 30 of us just singing on our way. Um, and then the Lons fans sort of looking at us and didn't want a bar of it. But then what we could see sort of like on the side, they were going after, you know, these fans, you know, who are elderly or with kids. Uh, it was a disgrace, mate. There was no old Bill. They were just trying to pick off any sort of fan who was by themselves. And then we saw this old boy um, who was in a in a wheelchair. We've you know known him from Highbury days, whatever. And um, his son was pushing him along, and a load of Lons fans just come up to him and try to mob him. And so we saw that, and we went straight over, and we managed to clear him away, and they all ran off. Um, and so yeah, as we got to the stadium, we then realised that we've obviously had to walk down this road for about a mile, which just popped off with all of their fans walking past their bars and their pubs and just carnage. 
And then as we've reached the stadium, we've realised that we're on the south side, the away end is on the north side, and we've literally got to go through a chicken run of their ultras and just fans who are out drinking. So we've just, again, said, right, let's do it. And we've just steamed straight through. So we've gone right up through the away end, um, you know, and they looked at us and they could tell that, you know, these no disrespect, you know, you see some of the, you know, um, your fans is sort of, you know, they, they're going out there with their phones and selfie sticks and all that. They've seen, right, this is proper Arsenal. We don't, we're not interested, you know. There's, even though there's only 15, 20 of us, they just, they looked at us and, you know, some of the lads I was going with, you know, go overland and see the Arsenal. And they just said, no, nah, we're not, we're not interested. So we managed to get up to the away end. And then we found the, the, the gentleman with the wheelchair. Obviously, he, he's come with us. We made sure we got in. And then hiding behind the away end was three Arsenal stewards. And as soon as we've seen them, they're literally like hiding behind the gate, peering behind the gate, right? And and we just said to them, what have you done? You've sent us all the way around the ground, blah, blah, blah. It's gone right off. And they realised, oh, no, you know, that shouldn't have happened, blah, blah, blah. That It wasn't Arsenal's fault, to be fair. The old bill literally marched us that way. And so we were lucky. We managed to get in the ground. I mean, there were robocops who were trying to, you know, looking pretty threatening. But we got in the ground, um, managed to get old Mick in the ground as well. And, um, yeah, it was popping off on the concourse. Really good atmosphere. Um, and then, yeah, went into our went into our seats. And, and like I said, Eddie, that's the loudest ground I've ever been to in London. It's the, it's the loudest ground in France. And, um, you know, what an atmosphere that was, mate. Honestly, I can't explain. We scored first, which was fantastic. We thought, yeah, we're on here. And then, mate, their fans just turned it up like decibels, mate. And the noise was deafening. And I think the sort of, you know, the atmosphere just just did our young lads, unfortunately, because a lot of them, that was their first Champions League away mm. game. And and we ended up losing um, 2-1, which is uh, just not ideal. Um, but that wasn't the worst, mate. That was not the worst. The worst is still to come. So, as usual, you think, right, we'll uh, we'll get hold back, you know, for like half hour, 60 minutes. We can just wait in the stadium, go get a beer or whatever, have some water. No. Old Bill have come round, Robocops, blah, 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 and said, right, all the Arsenal fans out. So they've booted us all out into the car park. No communication, nothing. And you've got to remember, this fixture was a shambles from start to finish because Lons had refused to all... It's such a small town, right? The town's got probably... no. I have to get fact-checked, but no more than probably like... 30,000 people who lived there. So there wasn't enough accommodation for all the Arsenal fans. So a lot of them were staying up in Lille, which is about 45 minutes away on the train, which is the big city in the area. But Lons refused to organise onwards travel. They refused to put trains on because the last train was 8.30 and the game obviously was kicking off at that time. And so for weeks, all of those fans were like, how are we going to get home? Luckily, we were staying sort of just outside the town. So we were right. And then eventually they said, right, we'll put two trains on. So they're going to put two trains on for the fans. One which left at 12.30, one which left at one o'clock. So no communication as to what was happening. They kept us in the car park for 90 minutes. No foods, no water, no communication, just big robocops standing at the front gate. You'd go to ask questions. They'd say, move away or we'll whack you. And so obviously, yeah, we stood out there in that car park, freezing cold. And then finally they said, right, all the fans who are going to Lons, uh, so going from Lons to Lille on the train, go that way. Um all the other fans go out this gate. And so a load of the fans who are going to Lons, um, going from Lons to, to Lille, have gone back into town centre and it's just carnage. When they got back into town centre, there was no old bill. Loads of them just got ambushed, attacked, mobbed, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then what happened is because the old bill kept us in for so long, uh, loads missed their onward train. So that meant they missed the ferries home. So, you know, people who were meant to get the ferries at like two, three o'clock didn't end up getting back to six o'clock. So that was carnage. We thought, oh, we'll be all right. We couldn't be bothered going back into town. So we said, we'll just get an Uber back because we were about um, five kilometres away. 
no Ubers, no taxis, no buses. They'd all stopped running. So we ended up having to walk five kilometers back to our Airbnb, right? In the freezing cold, pitch black, right? <laughs> um, and then it gets even better. We thought, right, okay, we want some food, we're hungry. Went to order a takeaway pizza. The delivery drivers didn't know where it was. They were running around for about two hours. In the end, turned up. The guy's gone 15 kilometers away to the next town. Mate, the whole thing was a shit show from start to finish, mate. It was just, <laughs> mate, I'm, but the, the most important thing is me and the boys, we got out of here. We were safe and sound. We looked after our fellow Arsenal fans. We didn't have any problems. But, you know, the Europeans, the police, UEFA, I just don't know when that they're going to stop this nonsense with the British fans abroad. It's a joke, mate. It's an absolute joke. So how did that one differ to the trip to Spain? You went to Sevilla, right? Ah, uh, yeah, Sevilla. I can't explain. We've got a manager that comes from sunny Spain. He's gonna take us to the top, the top again. And when we win the league, we'll sing, we'll sing his name because it goes like Arteta, Mikel Arteta. Oh, mate, Sevilla was the trip of a lifetime, mate. That was that was sound, man. Like um. I'm not gonna lie, it was it was it'd been a heavy couple of days. So we, me and the boys, were at Chelsea away the day before, and we got absolutely Alan Brazil'd. You know, had a big sesh, five thirty kickoff, and then obviously flew to Sevilla the next day. And then unbelievable trip, mate. Tapas was fantastic. The um, um, oh gosh, uh, Cruz Campo, the beers were flowing. It was just awesome, mate. Arsenal fans everywhere. The night before, we went to this um, bar club place, got all the Arsenal songs going, the Odegaard songs. You know, it's, it's fantastic, mate. And then the day of the match was brilliant. Sing song, all of that, go to the ground. And then the most important thing is we did the job out there, mate. We won. For fans that will never see their club play in the Champions League, what's it like at the start when you see, uh, you know, the big ball banner in the middle of the pitch and then the opposition fans with their TIFOs? Like, what's that like? When we first came back against um, uh, Eindhoven at home, um, it was a real special night with the music and the ball and, and everything. So, you know, Champions League ball and and just everything, right? I was so special at home, brilliant atmosphere. But then, yeah, that first away game when we went to Lons, the TIFO was incredible. Sevilla did an amazing TIFO. And then um, the most touching bit about that game um, was... Both we started singing. Um, obviously, he's you know sadly passed away, but he played at Sevilla for a number of years. Played for Arsenal, Jose Jose Antonio Reyes, um, and we started singing um, Jose Antonio. Um, I think it was the 49th minute because um, oh, that's when he. Uh, um, I can't remember. Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was 49th minute or whatever the age he was when he passed away. Anyway, we started singing, so we started singing Jose Antonio, Jose Antonio, and then their fans started clapping and they started applauding as well. And I just thought. That was such a special moment to be a part of his family. We were in the stands as well. And, you know, maybe a lot of people don't remember Reyes. I mean, it was a while ago, but he was sort of a youngster who come. We brought him, um, you know, uh, midway through the Invincible season. He was a fantastic winger. Um, sadly, he came to England probably 10 or 15 years too early because he was just getting kicked off the park. And, you know, the referees weren't giving him the protection. So he ended up going back to Spain, went to Real Madrid. But um, that was a special moment, man, and, and, a, and a pleasure to have been a part of that. So what's the best ground you've been to, mate, so far this season? Best ground I've been to? That's a good question. So you've got to remember this year, I haven't gone to many new grounds. So um, uh, new grounds that I went to this year is I went to uh, Luton's a new ground and then obviously uh, Lons was a new ground and Sevilla um, is, is, was a new ground. I think, I think just for the uniqueness of it, mate, 
you can't go past Kennel with Road. That is just a crazy, crazy ground. It's a it's an outlier because you've got to remember, as Arsenal fans or as fans who support Premier League clubs, especially top six, very rarely do you get drawn aside who has come from sort of the lower leagues um, in, say, like an FA Cup or a League Cup. That doesn't happen very often. And then in the Premier League, most clubs are out of certain facilities. So I think, no, to go to Kennel with Road the other night was... Um, was super special. And then also to go to Lons and experience that atmosphere. I mean, they're probably in the top five to 10 fans bases in Europe in terms of stadiums for atmosphere was, was, was pretty special, but um, no, to say I've done kennel with roads uh, was, was, was amazing. So out of the Premier League clubs then, how many grounds you've been to then? Do you know what? The only one strangely I haven't been to is uh, Sheffield United. So we played them when they came up. This is because they hadn't been in the league for years. They were, they came up briefly. I think it was the 07, 08 season. Had like a record. Um, actually, no, that was Derby actually at the record low. But they came up around then and they you know were pretty awful. Went back straight away. So I didn't go to it then. Um, but weirdly, yeah, the only ground I'd say, then when they came up, uh, in the 2019-20 season, um, which was sort of the season which got disrupted by COVID, we played them away on a Monday night um, at Bramwell Lane. I couldn't get to that because of work. And then we had them in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, which I had the tickets for. Um, but because of COVID, it got cancelled and the game got played behind closed doors. So long story short, the only ground I've not been to in the Premier League is, is Bramwell Lane, which is which is obviously you know quite strange. But because uh, of COVID and other stuff and the fact they were the next season when they were in the league was behind closed doors. So yeah, Bramwell Lane is, is the only one which uh, which I need to tick off. And then I've done all 20. Thoughts on a third round draw against Liverpool from the FA Cup? Oh, mate, it's, look, I, I, look, we have to speak about the referees on this. We're going to have to speak about the PGMOL. I'm going to have to speak about the FA in a bit and, I'll, I'll, and the media. I'm going to get onto that. But I just think they need to start seeding the FA Cup. And the reason why I'm saying they need to seed the FA Cup is not because I want the Arsenal to have an easy draw. We don't need it. We've won the competition the most times, right? We're the, we're the record holders, right? So it's got nothing to do with that. What it is, is that why do we need to play Liverpool? We've played them so many times to death in cup competitions in the last few years. League Cup, we've played them, um, you know, twice in the space of, you know, four or five years, obviously in the league, blah, blah, blah. And for these non-league sides, if they can get given a draw at Arsenal or a League Two side, League One, whatever, the proceeds get split down the middle for the gates, right? So if you imagine the, the Emirates, right? And okay, so let's say uh, on average there's, there's 60,000 seats in the stadium. So if, for example, we said, okay, you've got 51,000, which are going to be uh, Arsenal fans, and we give the full 15%, which is 9,000 to um, to their fans, you'd say, okay, well, Arsenal's got sort of um, probably around, what well, I'd say around 40,000 normal seats, um, you know, which is just normal season tickets. Uh, so, so we've got, yeah, let's just say 35,000 normal seats, which are, probably well lower tiers 20,000 let's just say it's a category c game we sell them at like you know 20 quid each um so that's 400 grand then by the time you tot it all up blah blah you're looking at a gate of about one and a half million right when you look at the box revenue and all of those sort of things and that gets split down the middle right so imagine if you're a league one club a league two club you're going to get a cash injection of seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds i mean that's that's massive even for even for a championship club you look at championship clubs who are struggling for money. So I just think it's sort of bollocks. The fact we've got um, we've got Liverpool. I think it's, it's it's rubbish. Not interested. And the worst bit about it is it's all for the fans on the TV. Sunday four thirty. Waste of time. Waste of time. Waste of time for everyone involved. Frankly. All right. Let's talk about the main man behind you. 
Mikel Arteta. Before we talk about the manager, actually, let's talk about the flag. How yeah. did you make it? Where did you get it from? How much was it? Yeah, look, so I think me and my my pals, you know, we're like a family. We've been going to the ways for a long time. Um, and we always said, look, we need to get a flag made up, but we just never knew what, because you've got quite a few of us who are from London. You've got some who are from the home counties and some who are from further afield. So it's like a flag, which is kind of London based, doesn't really work because we're all from different parts of London. It's not like you can say, oh, look, you know, the Arsenal, Overland and Sea, you know, um, Northwest London or, you know, Hackney or, you know, Finsbury Park. That just wouldn't work for our group because we're um, we're such a mixed group. And then equally, we just didn't want something boring. You know, you can get the Arsenal over land and sea or, you know, this. you, you see them everywhere, right? It's, it's lovely flags, but it's, it's boring. So we thought to ourselves, we really need to get um, <clears throat> something which, which, which sort of, you know, represents not only us, but also um, the fan base. And... In the summer, um, I got really annoyed um, with some of the signings that, um, uh, that, so some of the criticism for the signings that Arteta was making, whether it was, you know, Kai Havertz and, and shipping Granite Shaka out and the goalkeeper situation, blah, blah, blah. Now, look, as fans, you're all entitled to have an opinion, but I think personally, my feeling was that Arteta has brought us back from the dead. We, Our football club was finished four years ago. You've got to allow him to at least build his squad. And doing that, he will make unpopular decisions. And then I thought to myself, do you know what? Let's get a flag made up. Mikel Arteta's army, Overland and Sea. And it's because he's brought the Arsenal back, right? It, we were finished four years ago. The fans were at each other. Um, no one was enjoying going. It was soulless in the stadium. And there's only one man who's really responsible for bringing back the Arsenal. And that's that man there, Arteta. He's brought the passion and the pride back into the club, reconnected with the fans. Um, and so, yeah, it just all fell together where we said, right, let's get the flag made up. We'll take it to all the away games, maybe the occasional home games. Mikel Arteta's army, Overland and Sea, we'll have his face in it. And then obviously I'm, you know, uh, I, you know, I grew up with the proper badge. So like the one I've got on. So he said, let's get the, you know, the, the original Canon and also the Art Deco badge. Um, and yeah, that was it. So I contacted Barmy Flags, which obviously, you know, he makes most of the flags for the guys who go away for England and Wales. Said, look, this is what we want. Originally, I was just going to have Arteta and then I was just going to have the cannon. And he said, no, you need to make it symmetrical. So we ended up with the Art Deco badge. Um, we to and fro saying, look, do we get Mick Arteta's army? Do we get Mikel Arteta's army? And then we said, look, the song goes, you know, we're Mikel, we're Mikel Arteta's army. We're Arsenal through and through. We'll sing it in the North Bank and in the clock. And, and it sort of, the song talks about how he won the league at Anfield, the, you know, the lane, Stamford Bridge, Old Trafford, blah, blah. So, no, no, it's got to be Mikel Arteta's army. And then, yeah, the, the sort of the flag came about. And then the first game we took it to was obviously Everton away, which it sort of went viral because uh, BBC Match of the Day footage is sort of got it at the end when we sort of flagged it. And there's that fantastic photo of all the Arsenal flags and you, and, and you, um, all the Arsenal fans with, with the flag. Um, and then yeah, that's it. So from there, we've taken it to you know loads of away games this year, Europe and 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 home and and, and you know away games um, in in England and 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 that's it. That's how the how the flag came about. That's awesome, mate. How much is it, by the way? It's 150 notes, nine foot by four and a half foot. So it's it's, it's quite big. We couldn't get it any bigger because that's about as big as you can to get it in the ground. And if you want to get it hung up and you can't really go any smaller because it just doesn't, if there's a group of you, it's just, you look silly if you've got a little flag. So yeah, it's almost perfect size. The four whistles just blown at Villa Park, Aston Villa one, Man City nil. And guess who scored the winning goal? 
Well, I've been I'm talking to you, so I haven't got a Scooby Doo, but you're gonna have to tell me. Leon Emmy Bailey, Martinez. baby. Leon yeah, Bailey. Well, go on, <laughs> well, well, go on, man. Yes. <laughs> the Boomba Clark business, bruv. Hey, I didn't Big plan Man Ting. He's, ma- he's mash up Man City. Mash up Man City. Go on, Leon. Yes, man. <laughs> You know, if that wins us the league, uh, I'll, I'll get Leon Bailey to, with a Jamaica shirt on the back. Done. Right. Handshake <laughs> on it right now. Virtual. Wow. Right. With that result, that means you're... Um, well, Liverpool won this morning, but yeah, two points ahead of them. Yeah. And now, what's the gap between you and City? Is it five points? Be f- yeah, be five points, I think. Five, five points. Yeah, let me have Six a points. It's six points now. Villa have gone yeah. up to third. And you've got yeah. them away this means week. means nothing. Means, means, means nothing. Yeah, of course, it's the Pope Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what kind of question is that? It's the Pope Catholic. I'll be up there. All, I'm up there all weekend, mate. Friday to Sunday. I'm on the Beano. <laughs> right. Unai Emery versus Arteta. Uh, just, just going back. Yeah, just going back mm-hmm. to the um, the league thing, right? And you got to remember, like, I am... I'm lucky. Right? I was the last generation to go to Highbury. I remember us winning the double in 2002. And obviously, Invincible's 04 to 98 season was just, just before my time, right? Um, you know, I got the back end of all of that, yeah? But that was before my time, right? 98 season. So, look, anyone who knows anything knows come Christmas time, you've got to be in contention. And then you've got to kick on from Easter, yeah? And I think the problem you've got is at Arsenal... Uh, you've got the generate. It's been 20 years next year. Um, you know, 20 years of season since we won the league. Yeah, and a lot of the younger fans just don't remember when we last won the league, and they don't remember that it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right? You can't get carried away at the moment talking about league titles. What you need to do is put yourself in a position where come Easter you're in the contention, and then you know you just accelerate. Right? That that's the way it's always been. Right? You look at um. 2002, uh, so 98, we we went up to Old Trafford, we won, then we went on that great run, you know, 10, 11 games, just won every game, right? You look at um, 2002, you know, we started the season quite slow and then we picked up, right? Um, Went up to Anfield, got a great result, we won up there and then we just, we we just, we we picked up and then it accumulated in us going up to Old Trafford and, um, and obviously we did the business up there, yeah, we won um, one nil, right? Um, uh, and, and then obviously in the 2003 full season, uh, you know, we got dumped out of the FA Cup. We got dumped out of the um, Champions League, unfortunately. And then we had the great game at Easter. Thierry Henry just ripped up Liverpool um, at Highbury, scored one of the best Arsenal goals of all time where he's just put Carragher on his backside. Right. But this is what I'm trying to say. So it's like, yes, you know, I'm not trying to quash the league talk and all of this, but got to talk come Easter. Yeah, that's that's the marker. Um, that's the marker. So all the young fans out there, look, that's just, I mean, I'm not, not old by any stretch of the imagination, but that's just a bit of wisdom from sort of, you know, year, yesteryear gone by. How far do you think you go in Europe? I actually think we stand a really good chance in Europe because the teams in Europe are not that physical and it kind of suits us to a T. So Gabriel Jesus is on fire in Europe at the moment. So I think, provided we don't get a Real Madrid in the next rounds or a Man City or a Liverpool... I don't see any reason if we, we can go through to the semi-finals if we've got the right draw. I think it's just when you get drawn any of Real Madrid, Man City, Liverpool, they're really tough games in the in the Champions League for, for obvious reasons. We were on the pod ages ago and didn't I say to you, Arsenal will get to the final and where's the final play? Wembley, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Going to Wembley, run away. Uh, we get there, we don't know. Uh, we get there, we don't care. All we know is we are on our way. I'd love it. He's in Longs, mate. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. Well, we'll be a lot of treats in between now and then. All right, I'll put this to you, mate. What would you rather, the league or the Champions League? It's not even a question. Champions League all day long. We win the Champions League, mate. I'm going on a week bender. Um, I'll be running down Blackstock Road naked if we win the Champions League, mate. That's not even, mate. Not even interested. <clears throat> if that, mate, I yeah, forget the league. Champions League on the table all day long, mate. Who would you consider rivals now in, in in London? Well, at the moment, it's like both Spurs and Chelsea are in a massive rebuilding stage. West Ham are just West Ham doing weird stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, if you want to get me on the, you know, we can go back to talking about the game on the weekend if you want, uh, Emery versus Villa, but um, uh, Emery versus Arteta for the Villa game. But um, look, I mean, Tottenham's the historic rivals, but it's never been much of a football rivalry because, frankly, they've always been pretty rubbish, um, <laughs> as all the songs about them go. Um, but obviously, that's that is the number one with all the historic reasons. You know, we hate them, they hate us, and, you know, the rest is history. I'm not going to talk about that. Chelsea have tried to magic up this little rivalry because they keep trying to tell us they're the biggest club in London, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is they ain't got any bloody fans in the UK. You know, and they, they won't like that, but it's true. I mean, the reality is in the early 90s, they're getting like 18,000 Stamford Bridge. They've only got 23,000, whatever, 25,000 season ticket holders. I went there when Abramovich got sanctioned and like like we were saying, singing, just like the old days, there's no one there. I mean, Arsenal is, in my opinion, the biggest club in London in terms of support followed probably by a coin toss between West Ham and um, and Tottenham and then Chelsea's fourth. If you're going to package everything together, the trophies won, blah, blah, blah. You go, you go Arsenal and then Chelsea's obviously second and then Spurs are in first. So look, it still is Tottenham and, and Chelsea, but they're sort of not as much of a feature because, you know, they're in that big rebuilding stage. But, you know, uh, Chelsea, look, we can't say too much about them because the last 20 years, you know, they've, they've done very well. They've won pretty much everything. So, I mean, they can have an off couple of years. Tottenham, look... It's the same old Tottenham, mate. We all know, look, there are three certainties in life, right? This is great advice for any, you know, football fan to listen to. Death, taxes and Tottenham dodging trophies. It's just a given, right? <laughs> and this goes to my big gripe about the media, yeah? So the start of the season, right, Ange Postacoglu comes in. Everyone is blowing sm smoke up the Tottenham's, you know, Jaxie, right? Saying, oh, Ange, ball, this, that, the other, blah, blah. I'm loving Big Ange, all of this. All the media, they're drooling, do you know what I mean? You've got so many, the media hate Arsenal, right? They absolutely hate us. You've got the ex-Tottenham brigade where you've got Jamie O'Hara, who is completely delusional completely delusional, can't stand Arsenal. You've then got, um, you know, uh, Jamie Radnap doesn't want anything to do with Arsenal as well. You've then got Glenn Hoddle hates Arsenal. Um, you know, there's a whole host of others, right, who are in just that Tottenham cap and they hate everything to do with Arsenal and pour venom on us. You then have the ex-Man United brigade, right? You know, the ones who, you know, just can't stand us because obviously it was us versus them. So you've got old Roy Keane, <laughs> you've got Keane, You've got Gary Neville, you've got Paul Scholes, you've just got this host of just miserable gits, just really, really sad people, right? They hate us and will pour slime on us at any given notice, right? You've then got the delusional scousers, right? The Graham Soonesses, the Jamie Carragher's. Yeah, I mean, no one can fucking understand you, let alone just listen to you properly, right? All of those delusional Liverpool people in the media, right? Who just, again, continue to run our name down, right? 
And then don't get me started on the knob jockeys at TalkSport, right? You've got Simon Jordan, Danny Murphy, another deluded ex-Liverpool player. What does he know about winning Premier League titles? One sweep. Oh, um, and then don't get me started on oh, Simon Jordan, blah, blah. You know, again, they, none of us, none of them like us, right? And then you've just got, you know, the lone wolf in the deserts, right? In right, these small, a small little oasis where you've got Ian Wright, <laughs> Martin Keown, right? Darren Bent. Um, and, and that's it. You know, Micka Richards, the only ones who stick up for us, right? Against a backdrop of just absolute nonsense, right? And you read the columns, the articles. Mate, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke, the media in this country with the anti-Arsenal bias. I mean, and then don't get me started now next on the referees and the PGMO, because it's like it's like what big it's like it's like what Big John said, right? <laughs> Whatever the British and the government have got against us and the PGMO and the media must be serious because they've done everything apart from shoot us and we're fighting our hearts out, right? Little old Arsenal trying to come back to where we deserve to win a league title, and they are doing everything, mate, to to quash that. It's an embarrassment, mate. The PGMO should be embarrassed, right? Look at the Newcastle game, right, with the VAR decision. You know what? They're just standing there saying, oh, no, no. Howard Webb comes on Monday Night Football says, oh, no. Do you know what? We talked to a few people. Oh, yeah, doesn't seem right. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, it's about the right decision. You know, the ball's out. I wear glasses. You know, I can tell the ball's out. Then, I mean, there's two hands in Gabriel's back and the geezer's offside, right? Not interested, nothing. Then, Newcastle in the Champions League, right? Uh, they've got that penalty and it's going to be a national inquiry. You know, I'm sure it'll be debated in the Houses of Parliament this week, right? Um, you know, the same with the bloody, um, uh, you know, Man City thing. It's like, no one cares about us. They're just telling us to shut up. I mean, it's a disgrace. It's an absolute joke, the level of bias in both the referee and... I mean, look, Arteta got a bloody yellow card for, for celebrating yesterday. What's he made to do? Just sat on the sidelines. Oh, so, mate, I've, I'm, I'm over it. Sick of it. <laughs> Rant over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about something more positive, mate. Let's talk about your trip to Villa Park this weekend. Yeah, Villa Park under the lights. Tell you right now, Eddie, we need three points, but I'll uh, I'll take a draw. Um, you know, Arsenal are. The one thing we're missing on our CV at the moment is the ability to um, go away in big games against big opposition and, and get it done. Um, I'm not talking, you know, the likes of Brentford and Luton, no disrespect, some good sides play good football. But the one thing this team has to do if they do want to be talking about winning titles is you've got to win at Villa Park. You've got to win at, well, all the great Arsenal sides have won at the Northwest, in the Northwest, you know, Liverpool and um, Old Trafford. And now you'd flip that and you'd say, you know, you've got to get something at Man City. So this game is, it doesn't get much bigger, in my opinion. If you were to give Arsenal like a grade from like D all the way up to A, what would you give them so far? Um, I'd give us an A. So I think it's a solid eight and a half out of 10. I think what marks us down was the performance at um, Chelsea away. Even though we did come back and, and, and we got ourselves in the game, I thought we were poor. Um, Fulham at home, um, we were poor. Um, Newcastle away, we would we weren't very good. All right. Well, first half was all right, and then um, you know, second half we really we really turned it on. Um, so you've got to say yeah, eight and a half sort of out of ten, mm. nine out of ten, and that kind of territory. Great in the Champions League. We went out of the League Cup, which is what we needed to do. Fantastic. No tears from me. Um, so you know, look, we're, we're good. The one thing we're missing on our CV is 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 a really big away win. Um, you know, because we didn't get it done at Newcastle, and we didn't get it done at Chelsea. 
Um, so I think that's the only thing I can I can mark the boys down for. And you know, we didn't quite turn up in the derby. I thought we were just a little bit off off the boil. Um, so yeah, don't, let's let's be honest. Yeah, those are the, I mean, drawing to Fulham at home that can happen to anyone, and, and you'll see that throughout the season. So I'm not that worried about that. But um, yeah, I think the two things I'll mark us down for is obviously you know a bit poor in the derby at home, and then um, you know we we should have won away uh, at one of either Newcastle or Chelsea. We didn't, so that's what we're missing on the CV. So what um what games are you looking forward to, mate? For the rest of the season, for me, the the one in the calendar is Anfield, um, and and I'll be honest with you, I think, um, like I said, all the good Arsenal sides, you know, you go back as far as you want, you know, have won at Anfield, um, and we have to go up there and win, frankly, um, you know, I'll take a draw, obviously, again, but I, like I said, eighty nine, we won up there, you know, I'd have to be fact checks, but I wouldn't surprise me if they won up there or at least didn't get beat there in in, in ninety one, um, when we won it, and then obviously, you know. Again, you know, all those teams, you know, in the nine, in you know, it doesn't even matter. Like the, the good Arsenal teams won up there, right? Whether it was George Graham's side, Arsene Wenger's side, um, you know, those teams won up at Anfield. And I think we need to make a statement. I think people will take us seriously. If we went up at Anfield, I think that's a massive statement. But I think equally, we can't get complacent. We've got to treat every game as a cup final. But the one I'm really, really looking forward to is Anfield. I do think Villa Park under lights, 5.30 will be a massive atmosphere. It's going to be a tough game, but... Um, yeah, Anfield is the one for me, mate. What would be a, an ideal Christmas present for Lyle? Win at Anfield um, and we don't. I take from, from the next three games, seven points with a win at Anfield and, uh, you know, either a draw away at Villa or a win or a draw at Brighton. That's what all I want for Christmas is seven points. When are you going to start saying, mate, we're going to win the league? When are you going to do it? No, I won't say it until we've got our bloody hands on the title and we're, you know, it's mathematically impossible. So, no, no, son. No, it's just the way it is. You can't be talking about leagues until, you know, Easter times when you're in the contention. And then obviously, yeah, you've got to get it done. So, no, we're still far, too far away. You're not going to clickbait me, mug me up, mate, on, on, on Insta. Ain't happening. <laughs> try and get that Ryan Williams on you, mate. The Ryan Williams flag. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every year. Oh, it's United. Yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> oh geez, yeah, he got done like that. Well, he's done with the hair, mate. That's a, that's how he aged about as well as milk. <laughs> oh no, I still, oh dear. And I remember when he went on in that. It's just like, oh dear, he backed the wrong horse. It hasn't been seen, hasn't been seen or heard of since. He says he's still alive. Let's <laughs> go into hiding. Witness protection. <laughs> Let's talk about your plans over Christmas, then. What are you doing this year? Yeah, so with my with my dad's side, the family, um, doing a few different bits and bobs, um, catching up with loads of family and friends, and and a little bit of football um, woven in. So and then you know putting the feet up for a bit as well. So um, got two weeks off over Christmas. So yeah, going to be re- really relaxing, and then some bumper football in there with um, uh, you know Liverpool on the twenty third. Um, you've got uh, we've got the big bean up for West Ham at home. So we're doing it all the lads with and, and ladies. We're doing our big Christmas. Thing so big curry, uh, a few you know, a bit of a pub crawl for the eight thirty kickoff, and then topped off New Year's Eve, full them away. Um, yeah, it's good. It's going to be good. Good mixture of socialising, football, family, and um, and yeah, just putting the feet up. <laughs> you got the hiccups, mate. Oh, mate. I, after after I did Ryan Williams, mate. I'm I'm just <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm cracking up, mate. <laughs> oh. Time of day considering uh, Charlie Chocolate Factory comes out soon, isn't it? Well, Wonka. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, that was a bit like all the people who were getting these last minute Luton tickets yesterday. That was your that was your golden ticket, wasn't it? I was yeah. you know, Twitter, everyone was begging, 
begging for the tickets. I mean, if, if you got one, that's uh, that'd be like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, wouldn't it? <laughs> right, mate. I better let you head off before you float into the, the ceiling. <laughs> and but, then, um, but I've yeah. got to leave leave you with our new Christmas single, right? All right, go for it. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. Our centre halves are so delightful. Saliba and Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel. <laughs> right, mate. Any last words? Come on. I'm on Arsenal, keep going. I hope all of you have a lovely Christmas wherever you are. Celebrate with your friends, family. Drink, be merry, be happy, be safe. And I hope your football team gets the results that you want, unless you are a Man City or a Tottenham fan. So uh, to everyone else, have a fantastic Christmas. Yours truly. This Santa Claus is still busy making episodes for you guys in the lead up for Christmas. So stay tuned on our Instagram page at The Exit Trials. Check on the notifications on Spotify. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. We've got some good episodes on this way. But for the meantime, hope you have a good one. Kaki Dana.